Section 7 of Edmund Dantes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellery Davidson. Edmund Dantes by Edmund Flagg. Section 7 Dantes and His Daughter. Even in the immediate vicinity of the Morsef mansion, number twenty seven rue de Held, no one was aware that its new tenant was monsieur dantes the famous deputy from marseilles all the neighbors knew was that the palatial edifice had been purchased by a stranger who said he was acting for his master a man of great wealth lately arrived from the east no repairs or alterations had been made while the morsef furniture was bought with the house the only new articles making their appearance being several huge bookcases and a number of large boxes evidently containing books together with a host of travelling trunks filled as was to be presumed with the wardrobe of the family the servants took possession during the day and were duly noted but how or when the proprietor came could not be ascertained while after his installation glimpses of him were exceedingly rare occasionally however a beautiful girl with an oriental look notwithstanding her tasteful and elegant parisian attire would be seen for a moment at the windows but she invariably vanished on realizing that she was observed sometimes a handsome young man stood at her side but he also seemed anxious to avoid the scrutiny of the curious although he evinced less timidity than his companion always withdrawing slowly and with great deliberation it was after midnight on the second floor of the pavilion once inhabited by the vicomte albert de Marcef was now a spacious library the walls were lined with tall bookshelves mounting to the lofty ceiling and groaning under ponderous piles of volumes from the huge black-letter folio of the middle ages to the lightest duodecimo of the day while in all parts of the chamber on the floor tables and chairs and in the deep embrasures of the windows were scattered huge masses of papers pamphlets manuscripts and charts over the bookcases stood marble busts of danton mirabeau napoleon armand carrel the du de saint simon and other great men whose names are identified with france between the windows looking out on the garden shrouded in shrubs and creeping plants hung a full-length and magnificent picture of foyer near the centre of the apartment stood a vast table covered with books papers manuscripts and writing materials beside which stood one of those sombre and massive armchairs on the possession of which the former proprietor had so felicitated himself bearing on a carved shield the fleur-de-lis of the louvre and whose sumptuous and antique embrace had perhaps reposed a richelieu a mazarin or a sully the windows were hung with heavy tapestry of ancient pattern and rich dye and also the walls save where covered with books a soft and summery atmosphere the warmth of which emanated from concealed furnaces neutralized the chill of an autumnal night and the mellow chiaro oscuro of a vast astral diffused its lunar effulgence on all around within this chamber was a man who with arms crossed upon his bosom and eyes fastened in profound and seemingly mournful contemplation upon the floor slowly paced from one extremity of the spacious apartment to the other this man was monsieur dantes 
representative of marseilles in the french chamber of deputies at last at last he murmured the avenging nemesis ceases to gnaw at length the angel peace begins to smile the tempest which for nearly thirty years has raved and swelled in my heart begins to lull at length i commence to live at length i realize and pursue life's true end let me reflect he continued after a pause let me review the past the past alas my past is a painful blank at twenty from the very marriage feast from the side of her whom more than life i loved i was torn by the envy of one man and the jealousy of another and then by the ambition of a third to whom nothing was crime if it but ministered to the unhallowed impulse i was plunged into a dungeon whose counterpart only the vault of hell can furnish for fourteen long years i was the tenant of a sombre tomb the agony the despair of those awful years oh god oh god and he shuddered and clasped his hands over his head as if to crush the recollection after a pause he resumed and then those daily vows of vengeance oh vain and impotent vows as then they seemed vows of awful agony of fiendish retribution though at that time i knew not all i knew not that a venerable father had pined and died of starvation through the wrong done to me i knew not that the woman i loved had become the bride of my destroyer yet those vows awful and blasphemous as they were those vows of vengeance have been terribly dreadfully fulfilled as the destroying angel of god's retributive providence i was endowed with superhuman powers to walk the earth to administer his justice and to execute his decrees for fourteen years was that vengeance prepared yet delayed at last it fell it fell all who had wronged me met their dreadful doom ambition was changed to madness avarice was tortured with bankruptcy falsehood sought refuge in self-destruction and all 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 even the meanest of those who had contributed to blight my life perished miserably at my will and did the guilty suffer alone alas impious remorseless horrible revenge the innocent and the criminal suffered alike a might approaching omnipotence was vouchsafed me but no power of omniscience to direct my hand or stay its effects blind and mad i knew not what i did those i most loved fell beneath the blow which crushed those i most abhorred and shared the same fate the terrible agencies i had summoned as my slaves became my masters the fiends which as ministers of god's justice garbed in the guise of angels of light i had by hideous necromancy evoked to aid me in righteous retribution proved the dark demons of hell and derided all orders to accomplish my bidding the awful engines i had set in motion i found myself powerless to arrest or control effects ceased not with the causes in which they had their origin the stroke of vengeance aimed at foes recoiled on friends recoiled on myself and when i fain would stop when i would arrest the awful havoc 
which my will had commenced the dark ministers i had called up howled in my ears on 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 vengeance is thine vengeance is thine they mocked my terror and laughed at my apprehensions at last there seemed a pause fate appeared to have done her worst to have executed her decrees the blind agencies of vengeance blasted no more because there seemed no more to blast the misery i had caused i strove to alleviate the innocent hearts i had crushed i endeavored to heal rejoicing in the joy i had created and the affection i gratified once more i loved loved but oh not as i first had loved not with that deep adoring delirious passion of my youth and yet with the subdued fraternal feeling i loved in the calm and sweet seclusion of a favored clime parted from the world with all its miseries and its crimes environed by all that man or nature could contribute to human bliss i began to dream of happiness and the happiness i had created but alas i forgot that man's happiness lies not in his own hand but in the hand of his maker i forgot that an omniscient eye pursued me that a blasphemed and an omnipotent power was over me the blow paused hovered fell not upon me not on the guilty but again it fell on the innocent and she who was my only hope my beloved heyday my wife was snatched from my heart ruthlessly murdered by that fiend benedetto the unhappy man pressed his hand to his forehead and for some time paced the chamber in silence then approaching a small alcove at one extremity of the apartment he raised the heavy and sumptuous hangings and revealed a small silver casket of exquisite workmanship and appointments that sparkled as the mellow light poured in upon it monsieur dantes knelt beside the ebony table on which this casket rested and for some moments seemed absorbed in prayer then rising and taking the casket in his hands he touched a spring when the lid flew open disclosing a miniature portrait of heyday set in a frame of gold ornamented with flashing diamonds and emeralds he gazed long and lovingly at this portrait that seemed designed to show how exquisitely fair god's creatures may be after which he kissed it reverently closed the casket restored it to the table and slowly dropped the hangings to their place resuming his walk he said mournfully but the deepest wound will close the heaviest grief the bitterest woe becomes assuaged time the comforter soothes and consoles from this stroke of bereavement i at length awoke and at the same moment awoke to the conviction that my whole past had been an error that my life had been a lie that the years which had succeeded my imprisonment had been more utterly lost than those passed within my dungeon itself and there came to me the conviction that time talent power and wealth had been worse than wasted that the wondrous riches undreamed of save in the wildest flights of oriental fiction and by a miracle bestowed upon me were designed for nobler holier purposes than to subserve a fiendish and blasphemous vengeance for even unutterable wrongs or to minister to the gratification of pride and the satisfaction of selfish tastes and appetites however refined and sublimated i looked around me the world was full of misery 
and the same disposition which had plunged me into a dungeon was crushing the hearts and hopes of millions of my race my bosom softened by bereavement yearned toward my suffering fellows and the path of duty peace and happiness seemed open to my desolate and despairing heart resolution followed conviction the world was my field liberty equality and fraternity were my objects not france alone with her miserable millions but russia with her serfs poland with her wrongs the enslaved italian the oppressed german the starving son of erin the squalid operative of england the priest-ridden slave of jesuit spain and the oppressed but free-born switzer great men and good men i found had already with superhuman skill constructed a system a machine for the amelioration of mankind's condition which needed only the cooperation of boundless wealth to set it in motion that wealth was mine the common house for the laborer the asylum for the insane for the orphan the magdalen the destitute the sick the friendless the deserted the bereaved or the asylum for the victim of his own vices or the vices of others for the depravity which originates in misery ignorance or fate all these my riches could sustain around me in the accomplishment of this design the uncounted wealth entrusted to my stewardship has already gathered the mightiest minds in every department of intellect and the best hearts and if but a few years are vouchsafed us to carry out the system we have adopted all europe despite her throned and sceptred tyrants impiously claiming the right to oppress by the will of god shall be free silently but surely the principle of human liberty is ceaselessly at work undermining thrones and overthrowing dynasties the hush that precedes the tornado even now broods over europe nations slumber the heavy sleep that preludes the earthquake the hour of revolution is at hand of social regeneration disenthrallment redemption over all the world in every capital of europe the mine is prepared the train laid to be lighted and from this solitary chamber the free thought on the lightning's pinion flies to vienna st petersburg rome madrid berlin london over mountain and plain over sea and land through the forest wilderness and the thronged city taken up by the press it makes thrones totter and tyrants tremble tremble at an influence which emanates they know not whence and contemplates a purpose they know not what an influence whose mystery they are impotent to penetrate and whose shadowy but awful right they are powerless to resist at that instant the silvery tinkle of a bell was heard at the table and a low and continuous whizzing as of clockwork at once commenced the deputy advanced hastily to the table the register of the electric telegraph like a living thing was unfolding the secrets of events at that moment transpiring at the furthest extremity of the kingdom eagerly seizing the slip of paper which was gliding through the machine he glanced over the cabalistic cipher there traced lyon marseilles rome algeria he murmured all goes well and while the wonderful register like a thing of life still whizzed clicked and delivered its magic scroll covered with characters unintelligible to all but him for whose eye they were designed 
he touched a spring and a row of ivory keys resembling those of a pianoforte was revealed then rapidly touching them with the fingers of one hand while he held up before him the endless slip of paper in the other as it was evolved he transferred its cabalistic contents character by character to their distant destination and when the day dawned on paris berlin vienna and madrid the intelligence thus concentrated and thus distributed in that solitary chamber was laid by the press before a hundred thousand eyes in a language which each could comprehend for in every capital of europe unbounded wealth had established a press which groaned in unceasing parturition for human rights causing princes to tremble and ministers to wonder and grow pale over each press thus set in motion as if literally by an electric touch a thousand miles away presided men of the greatest powers and most varied attainments which philanthropy or covetousness could enlist while the result of their labors was sown broadcast among the poorest and humblest without price or compensation pouring light upon their darkened understandings and giving them knowledge of their rights nor was the newspaper press alone active the fuiten press was also at work and magazines reviews pamphlets whole libraries of volumes were flung like sibylline leaves on the four winds of heaven fiction the drama religion art literature moral and mechanical science all departments of intellect silently unseen yet surely exerted their omnipotent influence for the attainment of one single glorious end the happiness rights freedom of man all this was under the guidance of one powerful mind and benevolent heart wielding the resistless necromancy of countless and exhaustless treasure not a point in all europe whence influence could radiate and be distributed was there at which this man in one brief year had not set in motion the press and the telegraph those tremendous levers of the age to move the world and all the more powerfully to move it because oft unseen not a court was there of emperor or prince czar or kaiser king duke or potentate in which dwelt not his emissary who suspected least of all knew everything that occurred and on the lightning's wing dispatched it to its destination so that the most important decrees of the cabinet council of vienna were exposed to the whole world by the parisian press long before they had been communicated by metternich to his sovereign and thus often the ruler first learned the purposes of the minister not a city or village was there in all europe which nourished not in its bosom the germ of reform and revolution while the great principle of association combined embodied and concentrated into a focus energies and influences which would otherwise have proved comparatively powerless the click and buzz of the register ceased the engine had revealed its secret the shadowy tell had been caught up as it fell and given to the press of all europe thence to be laid before men's minds exhausted by the severe mental toil and by the lateness of the hour the deputy sank back into his armchair and clasped his hands glorious omnipotent science he exclaimed in low and trembling yet eager and enthusiastic tones wealth must yield in power to thee for what wealth can rival thy achievements or secure thy results thou hast girt the earth with webwork forced the lightning to syllable the unspoken thought and made man's mind ubiquitous like god's ere long 
thou wilt have knit together with thy magic spells a world of mankind into one vast brotherhood Monsieur dantes ceased and closing his eyes wearily continued to think over the possibilities of the future as he sat there motionless and seemingly asleep a light footfall was heard in the apartment and his daughter stood before him zuleika was now sixteen tall and matured beyond her years she greatly resembled her dead mother hede the beautiful greek and the half oriental costumes she wore helped to render the resemblance still more striking her abundant hair was the hue of the raven's wing her feet and hands were those of a fairy while her large and expressive eyes flashed like diamonds and her parted lips as red as rubies disclosed perfect teeth of the whiteness of pearls a shade of anxiety settled upon her handsome countenance as she bent over her weary father the deputy opened his eyes and glanced at her why are you up so late my child he asked fondly i thought you were sleeping soundly long ere this i was waiting for you papa replied zuleika in a low musical voice that sounded like a chime of tiny bells i could not retire to my couch while you were toiling Monsieur dantes pointed to a stool the young girl brought it and seated herself at his feet he drew her to his knee smoothing her tresses gently and affectionately so you would not desert me darling he said with a glad smile no indeed dear papa answered she nestling closer to him will you always love me as you do now zuleika asked the father looking down into the liquid depths of her eyes oh papa what a question what a singular question said the girl springing to her feet throwing her arms round his neck and kissing him again and again but love of another kind and for another will come along after a while said the deputy sadly and then you will forget your father zuleika blushed and hung her head in maidenly modesty then she exclaimed no no papa never will i forget you whatever may happen ah my darling you know not what you are saying it is only natural for a woman to cast her father aside and cleave unto her husband but papa i have not even a lover yet and besides i am not a woman i am merely a little girl and your own true loving daughter yes yes but you must remember that last year young as you were then you attracted marked attention from several youthful romans of the best families in the eternal city and that one of them that viscount giovanni massetti went so far as to ask me for your hand at the mention of massetti's name the blush upon zuleika's cheek deepened she trembled slightly but said nothing her heart fluttered painfully but the pain was not altogether disagreeable the young viscount was evidently not unpleasing to her Monsieur dantes resumed looking at her fixedly the while my daughter as you were then attending the convent school i felt in my duty to deny giovanni massetti's solicitation nay his ardent impetuous prayer but i did not deprive him of all hope i gave him permission to urge his suit with you personally after a year from that time had elapsed did i do right zuleika maintained silence but blushed and trembled more than ever while her heart fluttered so that she placed her hand upon her breast to still it come come my daughter answer me said the deputy kindly did i do right tell me what your little heart says i do not know oh i do not know cried zuleika bursting into tears 
there there now said her father soothingly i did not mean either to frighten or wound you if the viscount is displeasing to you i will answer his letter to-morrow and tell him as gently as possible that he has no hope of winning your hand what have you received a letter from giovanni exclaimed zuleika with sudden interest her tears vanishing instantly and her pretty face brightening up ho ho said m dantes to himself mademoiselle has waked up in earnest now then he added aloud yes one came this afternoon the viscount is in paris and has claimed the privilege i accorded him a year ago provided you interpose no objection however the matter can speedily be settled young massetti is a man of honour and will not for an instant think of troubling with his attentions a lady to whom they cannot prove acceptable oh papa papa don't tell him that he wouldn't come here if you did besides did 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 i ever tell you that giovanni's attentions would prove unacceptable to me no not in so many words answered m dantes archly but i inferred as much from your manner and tears just now so i am to understand that you do not want me to reply to the viscount's letter am i oh yes i want you to reply to his letter but 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 what darling i do not wish you to tell him there is no hope you think there is hope then i-i am afraid so dear papa yet a moment ago you told me you had no lover and were merely a little girl i did not know then that giovanni was in paris and i-i thought he had forgotten all about me m dantes smiled as he said that makes all the difference in the world doesn't it mademoiselle yes answered zuleika innocently then she added in a tone of great earnestness write to giovanni in the morning and-and tell him i shall be delighted to see him i will write and inform him that so far as i have been able to discover my daughter does not object to receiving a visit from him oh that would be too cold and formal and giovanni is such an old friend well well said m dantes i will so frame my reply as to give entire satisfaction both to you and him now my child kiss me and retire to your couch for it is very very late zuleika embraced her father and kissed him repeatedly then with beaming eyes and a countenance overflowing with happiness she ran lightly from the apartment as she tripped joyously away m dantes arose from his armchair and gazed after her with a look of the utmost sadness oh my daughter my daughter he murmured soon will you also quit me and then i shall be alone indeed true esperance will remain but generous manly and heroic as he is he can never fill the void zuleika will leave oh heyday heyday my beloved wife why were you torn so ruthlessly from your husband's heart zuleika's dreams that night were rose-hued and delicious and in all of them the central figure was the youthful roman viscount when day dawned m dantes was still pacing his library end of section seven